Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hi, Peter King, and this is a new season of the Peter King Podcast. Thanks so much for joining, for listening, for watching, for experiencing the Peter King Podcast. So I'll, I'll tell you in a little bit what exactly I've been doing. I've been gone for three months. You haven't seen me. You haven't heard from me. I took a little hiatus. You get to be 66 years old, and one of your goals in life is, can I really take a nap every day? And I have to tell you, that was a lot of fun. So anyway, I'll get into what I did on my summer vacation, but let's talk a little bit about what you're going to hear on this podcast. I'm going to give you three conversations I've had in training camps along the way. This is number five for me in Philadelphia at the Eagles. First conversation you're going to hear is from Super Bowl quarterback Jalen Hurts the wealthy new quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Then we're going to roll out a conversation I had my most enjoyable so far on this training camp trip, and that includes Aaron Rodgers, by the way. But my most enjoyable conversation, Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver of the Detroit Lions. And did you know that Amon Ross St. Brown is fluent in three languages and took the SAT in English, German, and French. So there's a little trivia contest for you to stump your friends at on whatever. Uh, And the last conversation you will hear today is one I did also on my training camp trip with Kenny Pickett, the second-year quarterback and first-year full-time starter of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's just talk for a minute about what you're going to hear from me over the next few weeks. I'm on my training camp trip, and I tell people all the time, this is my favorite time of the year. It's better than the playoffs, a lot better than the Super Bowl, better than the season. And the reason is you get to have conversations with people. You get to sit in the office of Nick Sirianni, have uh, 15, 20 minutes talking to him and and with everybody you know so far on this trip you know Aaron Rodgers Robert Sala with the Jets and then Mike Tomlin in lightning talk uh, with the Steelers Kenny Pickett Patrick Peterson so as you go along you realize that the best time of year 
to talk to people in the league is in July and August. You know what? They don't have a three-game losing streak yet. They're all optimistic. They've all got a great shot. They're all going to the playoffs. So it's a good time of year to talk to people. And the other part of training camp that I think is so good is that you can see the design that all teams, you know, have going forward for this year. Let's just, I'll give you two sentences on each team I've seen so far. The New York Jets, obviously it's Aaron Rodgers' team. And what a job he has done so far as sort of an assistant coach on the field. Robert Sala said he's the best one he's ever had over the years. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's interesting. The Steelers are camp tranquility to me. And so far, I think one of the things they did really well is they did great in free agency. They didn't sign the most famous guys. But look, Patrick Peterson, uh, the seventh-rated corner last year by Pro Football Focus. Isaac Sayomalu, the guard from the Eagles, has stepped in there as the smartest guy on their offensive line. Really an interesting addition. But they did a very good job in free agency. The Detroit Lions. There's a scene with the Lions that I just can't forget. And that is driving into training camp uh, with my NBC colleagues, colleagues, Kelsey Bartels and Kristen Coleman, and driving up. And it is raining outside in Detroit. This is Saturday morning. And, and I look around, and there is a mob of people to get into the Detroit Lions training camp. It's, it's amazing. I haven't seen fans there the last few times I've been there. So a lot of excitement over the Lions, a lot of expectations of the team the NFL has scheduled for the first game of the season against the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. And then moving on to Buffalo, I, 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 there's a lot of questions about this team. They had a crushing loss to end the season, obviously, to Cincinnati. But, you know, the thing that occurred to me is this is all DeMar all the time. It was DeMar Hamlin's world, and we are just living in it. And so we don't even know. We're not positive he's going to make the team. Probably will. But he played last year uh, because of injury in the secondary. He's probably the fourth safety at best right now with the addition of Taylor Rapp from the Rams in free agency. So he's not guaranteed anything. You know, let's just hope that DeMar Hamlin comes out of training camp as one of the 53 Buffalo Bills. Now in Philadelphia, so interesting to watch a team that is loaded, is confident, and but is doing everything it can to not buy into the hype. And you'll hear that in my conversation with Jalen Hurts. So let's get to that right now. We'll talk about more as we go through uh, the podcast But right now, let's hear my conversation with Philadelphia uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts. Here with Jalen Hurts, quarterback of the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles. Does it hurt to be referred to as NFC champion Eagles instead of Super Bowl champion Eagles? Do you still think about it? Yeah, you think about um, a lot of moments that you can use uh, as fuel moving forward, you know, and it's a great opportunity we had last year. Um, a great run we had, but, you know, last year is just long gone, and it's about moving forward and building an identity for this team, figuring out what we're going to be this year. 
In the offseason, you signed one of the biggest contracts a quarterback, a player, has ever signed in the NFL. What did it mean for you after being sort of doubted quite a bit, like at Alabama first, having to transfer, then coming in here ostensibly as a backup, winning the job? What did that mean to you, signing that deal? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot to give gratitude towards, and I'm very thankful um, to be the leader of the franchise and to have the opportunities I have ahead of me. But the journey is far from over. So I just embrace the day-by-day grind and process of everything. And um, I've always been um, elite at focusing on what I need to focus on. So I'm going to try and do my best to maintain that. I asked Nick Sirianni, what would you say to Jalen after he signed his contract? He said, well, I just said congratulations. you remember what you said to him? Uh, I don't remember particularly, but... Um, he I said it he, was something like, let's get back to work. Right. Well, yeah. I think for him, um, I think he has a good feel for my desires. I'm um, as a player, as a leader, I'm um, as a man, and the things that I want to accomplish here. Um, and, you know, we plan on doing, doing that together, but it's a, it's a day-by-day thing, you know, so there's a, a, lot, of, a lot of fuel there. I remember the first time I talked to you last year after you played Jacksonville, and in the course of about a seven-minute interview, you referred to your father twice as Coach Hurts. Yeah. Not as Dad, not as anything else. Pops, Coach Hurts. Yeah. Is that from growing up in Texas, or is that just the way you feel about your dad? Well, I think um, just with the childhood that I've had, um, there's been a lot of opportunities to call him Dad and to call him Coach. But um, there are a lot of times on the sideline when we were on the sideline together where I did call him Daddy and um you know, I love him as a, as a father and as a coach. Um, but he's played a pivotal and a monumental role in my development, um, who I am as a man, um, the things I've been able to see, the things I've been able to witness, it's all made me who I am. So that's all the credit to him. Two questions about the Super Bowl. When you look back at that game, you may not think this because you guys lost the game. But when I think about it, I say, it must be pretty special to play the best game of your life in the biggest game of your life. Does that occur to you? Um, no, I think that's for everybody else to talk about. Um, I went in there with a goal, and um, that, was, that was what it was. So I think I moved forward from it, um, always using everything that I can as a, a slight motivation, but I don't need much. So it's, it's a day-by-day journey. You know, this is where we are now, and... We're creating an identity for what this team is going to be, and that's it's, 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 a, it's a process in itself. You have the lock screen on your phone. It's a picture of you walking off the field at the Super Bowl, the confetti flying in the background, the red confetti for the Kansas City Chiefs and not for you guys. Why do you have that on your phone? I could not to comment on that. Yeah. Uh, you, you guys wouldn't know if it was up to me. So, um, yeah, there ain't much to say about it. Okay. So... I want to ask you one thing about going forward, okay? What did you do this offseason specifically to try to become a better player, a better quarterback? Um, I think just the overall development, um, overall developing and trying to, to, to grow in every part of my game. You know, every time you go into an offseason, for me at least, I, I look at you know, guys like MJ and Kobe and how they kind of diagnose their game and obviously two different sports. But um, just trying to turn, trying to 
kind of push forward my strengths and uh, get better at my strengths and the things that I do well and then turn my weaknesses into my strengths. So um, just improving in all areas. And um, now I just, like I said the other day, I really, really embracing the idea of being, um, and I've always been a, a unique player, but embracing the, uh, the rarity of being a true triple threat um, and being able to do all of, all of the things that the quarterback position requires. So um, I just want to continue developing those, those three areas of my game, um, be the best leader I can be. And that goes a long way as well. Triple threat, throwing, running, leading? Throwing, running, um, your mind. Yeah. It was a long time. They told me, they, they said guys like me couldn't think or couldn't process. So I'm trying to put that to sleep. Last thing, when I asked Nick Sirianni what about this offseason with your quarterback is different, and he goes, I, I sit in on quarterback meetings now, and I listen to him with the coaches and with the players and it's like sitting in on a coaches meeting not a position meeting do you feel really confident and getting more confident in your ability to diagnose like a coach i think confidence um and all of those things it comes with preparation and it comes with time you know you look at the, the course of my career i can say um honestly that it's um it's been a true development but it's been a, a grind and an intense an intense grind and intentionally trying to um, just grow, learn, and soak up as much as I can. So as time goes by, um, that's what I that's what I yearn for. But it's a process, you know. And, and I and I and I embrace and find a thrill in that process of the game and that part of the game. Jalen Hurts, thanks a lot. Have a fun Thank year. You. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoy. You know, my thanks to Jalen Hurts, and we will be back right after this with one of my new favorite players in the NFL, Detroit wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. You know, next we're going to hear from Detroit wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown. You're really going to enjoy this. But before I get into that, I just want to tell you a couple of things that happened to me on my time away. I got a lot of nice email from people. Hey, enjoy your time off. I've never in my life taken 11 weeks off. And I wrote my column on May, I think it was May 8th. And then I really didn't work or get back to do anything 
until a little more than a week ago. And I really didn't do a lot on my trip. I visited uh, my my two daughters and their families, total of three grandchildren in Berkeley and Seattle. We had extended visits with both. And I actually went to an, a wedding in Austria. My nephew got married at a palace in Austria. It was really a cool thing uh, to not only see him get married, but to be at a wedding in Austria. Say, what are we doing here? But really a lot of fun. And then other than that, I mean, I set the world record for most Jeopardy episodes watched in 11 weeks. Uh, I just, I didn't do a lot. I did some reading. I read a Cormac McCarthy book, The Road. Uh, Went to see Oppenheimer. Love that. I mean, I just, but I didn't do a lot. I took a nap probably 90% of the days that I was off. And I've learned that not only could I grow to be a professional napper, but now on the training camp trip for the last few days, without taking a nap, I'm in mourning. I, I can't take it. I just can't. Anyway, enough about me. Let's go to Amon Ross St. Brown. I guarantee you, you listen to this, and you're going to have a new favorite player in the National Football League. Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm here at Detroit Lions training camp with Amon Ross St. Brown, and I said as we were preparing to do this that I think you're one of the most interesting people in the NFL, but I think I'm selling you short. You might be the most interesting person <laughs> in the NFL, and people don't really know. So I just want to go through a little bit okay. of your life story, yep. okay? You spent a lot of time as a kid in Germany, mm-hmm. and you weren't bilingual. You were trilingual. Yep. Can you tell me the story of knowing and learning three languages? Yeah, so growing up, um, my mother's from Germany. So, she, you know, when you're born, you're around your mom a lot. Father's, my dad was working. Um, and she only spoke German to us, so that was basically my first language. I was going to a French school in, in California, so it's an all-immersion French school. I only speak French the whole time. You're out in recess. They're speaking French. Teachers speaking French to you. You want a snack. You got to speak to them in French. There's only one hour of English, so I'm going to a French school. My mom is speaking to me in, in German when I'm with her at home. My dad's speaking to me in English, so I'm learning three languages at once. Um, but for me, as a kid growing up, it was always normal. It was you know, when I'm talking to my mom, it's German. When I'm talking to my dad, it's English. Talking to my brothers, it's English, unless, you know, I, wanna, I don't want someone to know what I'm saying. I'll speak German. And then when I'm at school, it's French. So that was kind of my whole life. I was balancing that for all the way until sixth grade. And then in the summers when I was growing up, all the way until high school, uh, my mom's grandparents, so my mom's parents, they lived out in, in Germany. So I would go to, we'd visit them every summer, me and my two brothers and my mom. would go out to Germany, stay at their house. My dad would stay back home because he's working. Um, he'd come visit us every now and then, but we'd be in the summer, we'd be in Germany for about two months, spend our summers there. It was always super fun um, with our grandparents. And then, like I said, still going to French school. And then when, once I got to third grade, um, my dad, you know, I was in third grade and my other brother's fourth, fifth. He decided, he's like, you know what, let's, let's send the boys to, to school in Paris. So he sent me and my two brothers uh, to school in Paris for a whole semester. What did you say when he told you that? Uh, you know, I was so young, I didn't really think much of it. You know, I was always traveling. We went on, we've been all across Europe as kids. My parents were big in traveling, so we traveled across the country. We took cruises everywhere. So for me, it was just another, not vacation, but, you know, I'm going somewhere else to go to school. And, I, you know, I spoke French because I was going to French school. So I didn't, you know, I didn't think too much of it. Uh, I had friends, but I never had, like, a best friend really growing up. My two brothers were my best friends. So, shoot, I'm with them. I'm with my mom. I know they're going to take care of me, and let's go do it. So, like I said, in third grade, went to 
Um, my dad sent us to, to France, went to school in Paris for a semester, did that. Super fun, one of the best times of my life. Um, and then once I got to sixth grade, the, actually the French Immersion School in, in California, it, it stops at sixth grade. So seventh and eighth grade, I went to regular middle school back, back at my, by, my, um, by my house and then went to high school, and that was that. Okay, so if I dropped you in the middle of Paris right now, you would know a little bit more than Uela Bibliothèque. One hundred percent. Where's the library? Would, yeah, yeah. yeah where's the, but but I'm saying you would be able to function normally. I would be able to function fluently. normally. You know what? So French is a little different. It's actually, I don't speak it as much as I used to, just because you know my mom is like I said, she's German, yeah. so I'm only speaking German to her. And then you know no one's really speaking French to me, so. Um, I don't speak it as much. I understand almost everything. Um, yeah. But like I told told some people this, I want to go back to France when I get some free time, maybe next off season, and really just perfect the language again. Because when I see stuff, like I hear people speak French, I understand what they're saying. But then sometimes I try to speak, and there's certain words that I forget that I know if I went there for about two or three weeks, I would get it all back. But um, French French is an awesome language. For What's sure. the benefit to being trilingual and mo- knowing multiple languages oh uh, you know they say that it opens up a different part of the brain um and i mean i think i'm a pretty smart guy uh just in general in life uh picking up things memorizing things um you know languages is a big you got to be able to memorize words that's a, that's a big part of it and then you know conceptually with with different language obviously english is a little different but german and french you have conjugations you got past peasant present, future tense. So there's a bunch of different things that go on into those languages that can kind of be, you know, tough. But, you know, for me, it's like, I tell everyone, it was my, it was my life. That's what only, only thing I knew growing up. And it was normal for me to learn those different languages. I would say as a young kid, I wasn't really fluent in any three of the languages. So I felt <laughs> like going, to, when I spoke English, I wasn't fluent. When I spoke German, I wasn't fluent. And when I spoke French, I wasn't fluent, but I was, you know, good enough in all three. And I remember being a kid and like, man, I wish I could just speak English as good as my friends, but as I got older, I mean, it got it got easier and got normal, but as a young kid, I was juggling all three different languages, and it was kind of tough to be fluent in all three. So, there is a story that when you were getting ready to go to college, you took the SAT in multiple languages. Is that true? That's true, yeah. I took it in English, French, and German. Wow. I never knew they had the SAT in Germany. Yeah, they had you know? it, yeah. Why did you do that? Uh, you know, it wasn't my choice. It was my yeah. mom's choice. She wanted yeah. us to do it. Um, Did you get the same score relatively in I, all? I, uh, German and French were a little lower, but they were still good scores compared to my English. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, it wasn't my choice. My mom was really, really tough on us, on, on academics. So she's like, you guys are taking it. You have no choice. I was like, okay, let's do it. I always I tell people this story about Bill Belichick. Why is he such a phenomenal coach, and why does he know more than everybody else? Well, first of all, his father was the first was the first guy who ever wrote a book about football scouting. He did really? it in the fifties. Yeah, he was an assistant coach at Navy, and so he was immersed in that. He went to practice at the Naval Academy, and then he would go home, and his mom knew seven languages, mm. and was always asking him to read to her while she was preparing dinner. Right. So he would read his lessons or whatever, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth uh-huh. grade, and, you know, spend an hour with her while she's preparing, uh, you know, the meal. And right. she's talking to him about all the stuff that he's learning at the time. And I said, what, what could be a better environment than somebody who grew up in a love of learning and an ins- in, in, insatiable love of football like his father had. Right. So in your story kind of reminds me of that to yeah. some degree. You know? Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, 
I want to ask you, let's go to football. Because to me, you were one of those guys who on draft day, you could have gone to a lot of different teams and you could have gone in a lot of different places in the draft, second, third, fourth round, whatever. But you told me a story last year that I thought was incredible. After you didn't get drafted on day two of the draft, you didn't just go home and drink nine bottles of whiskey or something. You might have, I don't know. But you didn't just go home and mope. Tell me about day two of the draft a couple of years ago, what you did after you did not get drafted. Yeah, so... uh I had, like, day two. You know, I was expected. I thought I was going to get drafted on day two. I had a bunch of family and friends over. I would say, like, over 30 people at the house. Um, in Los Angeles, in the L.A. In, area. In Orange County, yeah. Orange County, yeah. Yeah, yeah in Southern California. Um, NFL sent out the cameras, you know, just in case if I get drafted, they see the live view and they can show it on TV. Had the cameras there, everything. So we waited. Uh, day two of the draft, second and third round, obviously. Waited around, um, saw a bunch of different receivers get picked. I thought I was going to get get the call, never got it. And then, you know, the, I remember the last pick going. I was like, I mean, they were announcing the pick. And at that point, it's like it wasn't me because I would have got the call already. So I knew it was over. Uh, I remember saying bye to everyone. Uh, thank you for coming. I'm sorry that, you know, you made some some people came from like an hour, hour and a half away. I said thank you for coming. Uh, I'm sorry it didn't go the way that, you know, we wanted, that I wanted. Um and I just remember, you know, crying, uh, being super upset. Um, you know, I didn't want anyone to really see me upset. So I just remember, you know, I drove there. So I'd, I'm going to drive back. Uh, you got in the car alone. Got in the car alone. Went back to my, you know, I was Airbnb in a, a place in Newport with my brothers. Uh, going back, super uh, upset, crying. Um, and just, I would say, you know, one of the... One, one of the days that I'll never forget for me as a player, as a person, um, just how mad I was because yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that, how, how upset I was. And then uh, going back home, you know, I was like, I can go to bed. I can feel sorry for myself. I was like, you know what, let me let me get on this jug machine. Let me catch let me catch my balls that I, like I always do. So I got on the jug machine. I go home where, at like Where is it? Where is that? This is Where's the, Jug's yeah. machine? In in the garage at my Airbnb, yeah. Okay. It's like 12, 12.30 at night. Um, Who fed the it. machine? I, my brothers were still up. They were all there with me, so. We they, all, they knew that you needed them that night? They knew, yeah. I mean, they stayed with me. I was like, let's go. Let's get it in. It's not, no time to rest now. Um, so, got got home, uh, got on the Jugs, caught 202 balls. Um, like, Why 202? It's always been my number growing up. Um kind of a story that you know when I was a kid there was a there was this other kid that was that we met that had really good hands uh my father was with me he did everything with us and he caught you know we asked him what he does and he said he catches 200 balls a day so we're like you know what we got to be better than him we got to catch 202 so <laughs> 202 was always my number um and it's just a little you know a little reminder that so I, that night on the draft in the garage in the garage yeah you caught 202 balls 202 glistening with sweat it, it wasn't bad yet. Yeah. A little sweaty. So at the end of it, do you feel better, or are you still totally pissed off? I'm still pissed off, uh, yeah. 100%. But for me, it's like I'm just going to go that much harder, you know? For me, it was they, they just woke someone up for me. That was the mentality I had. Um, whoever picked me that next day, I knew 
I was going to go. I didn't care who they had a receiver. I was going to go in there and, and give them my all every day. Um, and that's what I did when I came here. Um, it was, you know, I didn't know many people here far away from home. Um, but in some ways that was good, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think it was. Come and prove yourself in a totally foreign place yep. where there aren't a hundred things to do. There's football. Right. Yeah. I think it was good for me. Um, and I'm glad I'm here. Uh, I think it, you know, couldn't have been a better situation for me. Um, I love it here. But like I said, yeah, at the time it was, I was pissed off. It was probably one of the most pissed off times I've been in my life. But you use that. I for sure. Yeah. Do you ever look back on it and say, I'm glad that happened because of what it did for me? Or are you still pissed off and you still think you should have gone way higher? I think both. Yeah. I both for sure. I'm still pissed off uh, to this day, and that's why I go so hard. Just every year I want to, you know, I want to make them – pay for what like what they did uh the teams that passed up on me even if I like I saw some guy after my rookie year he was like a scout on the I think it was like the Panthers or something or the Seahawks he's like I saw him in the elevator he's like man good season and I was like yeah you passed up on me and he's like yeah we did and that was that so um little things like that that you know I never forget the teams that interviewed me the guys they picked before I'm watching I still keep track of the guys yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you that. Yeah. Do you really know all sixteen players? I do. And you, you want me to do it right now? Yeah, I want to do you to do it right now. On, on live, you ready? Ready. You gotta count all. You gotta count with me. I'm gonna count. All right. Jamar, One. Jamar Chase, LSU. Two. Devontae Smith, Alabama. Three. Jalen Waddle, Alabama. Four. Rashad Bateman, Minnesota. Five. Kadarius Tony, Florida. Six. Tutu Atwell, Louisville. Seven. Rondo Moore, Purdue. Elijah Moore, Ole Miss. Um. Terrace Marshall, LSU. Nine. Dwayne Eskridge, West, Western Michigan. Ten. Um, Dwayne Eskridge, Western du- Michigan. Yep. Um, Nico Collins, Michigan. Eleven. Anthony Schwartz, Anthony Schwartz, Auburn. Twelve. Deami Brown, UNC. Thirteen. Um, Josh Palmer, Tennessee. Fifteen. Um, or no, fourteen. Sorry. Yep. Josh Two Palmer, more. Tennessee. Um, Amari Rogers, Clemson. Des Fitzpatrick, Louisville. Amon Ross, St. Brown. USC. You got them all. Yeah. And do you do you have it in your locker? Do you have it? Where so, Where is it? So actually, I have it in my notebook. Um, I have you know I have my goals written on my notebook. I read it three times. You know my goals. I read it three times every day before I go out to practice. I have twenty twenty three uh, goals. Boom at the top. I have the stats that I want. Whatever yada yada yada. Then I have round four. Pick one twelve. Never forget. Then I have. 1 through 16, I have all the receivers written, where they went to school. Bang, on that notebook. I read the whole thing three times before I go to practice every day. Huh. Do any of those guys have more catches than you right now? <sighs> more catches? Uh, no, not more catches. Take a little pride in that? Uh, yeah, it's cool, but I got I to gotta keep going. Yeah. Um, last year was last year. You got to be consistent in this league. And like I said, you're only as good as your last year. So I'm back at zero. I got to restart. I want to ask you about this year. I wonder what you thought the night the NFL released the schedule. And you say, wow, we're going into the den of the Super Bowl champions. We got to beat the great Mahomes. What did you think that night when you saw it? Um, I was excited, honestly. For I feel like, you know, when I first got here, I, I remember 
my rookie year, we had one primetime game. I don't count really Thanksgiving. That's like a tradition. We had one primetime game my rookie year. That was Monday night, week two against the Packers. Um, and that was it. All Every other game, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I remember talking to my brother. He's like, you know, he was on the Packers at the time. They had 7 o'clock. Equinemia St. Brown. Yep, yeah. correct. He had 7 o'clock games. He had Monday night, Sunday night. <laughs> He's playing at different times. I'm watching them on TV. Prime time, almost like every four weeks. I'm like, man, it must be nice to get all those prime time games. I'm over here one o'clock every 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 week, same time, same schedule. Nothing's changing. Um, no national games. No national games. I'm like, it's fine. We'll, we'll get we'll get there one day. Um, and then last year, again, I think we had like, I know we had the Thanksgiving game. We might have had one other prime time game, um, and that was it. And I was like, oh, here we go again. So. We started off the year, whatever, one and six, whatever it was, and then started winning some games, and then you know flexed our last game Sunday night, and we went on that roll, finished nine and eight, and then this year, I wanted to play in Germany initially. Um, I was texting, you know, Ellie and the PR people here to see what's the news on the Germany game. Are we going to get it? Or are we not? And you know, I'm from, I'm, I'm half yeah. German, so that Germany game would have been awesome. But they told me, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to be playing in Germany. I was like, you know, it's fine, and I found out. The reason why we're not is because we have the opening game against against Kansas City. And I was like, that's a pretty good trade. I'll take it. Um, you know, week one, everyone's watching. Um, one of the most watched games of the year is the, is the opening day uh, against the defending champs in Arrowhead. Heard it's one of the loudest stadiums in the league. So I'm super excited. I know this team, we're going to be ready. Um, and I can't wait for us just to go out there. And, you know, I'm just happy for the Lions, for us as a, as a team to finally, you know, Get some people to watch. You know, I'm not saying we're going to go out there and win. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, the season is still ahead of us, but I'm just glad that we have an opportunity to show what we can do. Last thing. So I think America thinks the Lions are a good story. Obviously ended the year last year great. But I don't think anybody really knows, are you ready? You know, are you ready to be a true contender? Are you ready to play January and February games? Deep down, what do you think? Uh, you know, I, obviously, I think we are, but that might be a biased opinion. Um, we have to prove it to everyone. We have to prove it to ourselves. Uh, it's a long season. Um, a lot of great teams in this league, um, in our division, a lot of great teams. So we got to prove it week in and week out, you know. I can see why everyone thinks that. You know, the Lions haven't done much uh, for the last, you, you, you name it, decades. I mean, they haven't won many games, haven't won many playoff games, shoot. So for us, I mean, we got to go out there and prove it every week. We got to put the work in right now. It starts now in camp. And then, you know, moving forward to, to preseason and then week one and just putting that work in every week. And I think in this league, if you win games, that's all you really have to do. Um, winning, speaks for, winning speaks for itself. And that's it at the end of the day. If you win games, you kind of, you know, you can shut people up. So at the end of the day, it's, it's about winning, and that's what we got to do. By the way, when you were a kid, did, was it an absolute constant that teachers and other adults you would, you would meet would ask you to spell your name? Because they they couldn't they had they had never heard your name before. Yeah, they would they wouldn't ask me to spell it. They would ask how how to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, usually, when teachers you know they roll call in the morning to see who's there and who's not, uh, they would most of the time butcher my name. Um, 
sometimes I would correct him. Sometimes I wouldn't because uh, I mean I don't really. If someone mispronounces my name, I'm not one of those guys that's just gonna you know correct it right away. Uh, if you ask me, I'll tell you how to how to say it. But um, yeah, I mean they would they would say it wrong. I'm, I'm used to it. You know. I think I said it wrong. I said Amon Ra St. Brown. It's close. Amon Ra. Amon Ra. There you go. Amon Ra St. Yep. Brown. And by the way, your father added the saint. Yeah. Right. The crazy thing is, your father has one of the most common names <laughs> on the planet. His name is John Brown. Yeah. But tell me why he added the saint before your last name. Yeah, so he added the saint because um, Brown is actually a slave name. So there's several reasons. Um, Brown's a slave name. He didn't want his kids to have a slave name. So that was number one. Number two is he thought it would look better on the back of a jersey. He knew uh, all along that, you know, he wanted his kids to, to play sports and hopefully, you know, be professional athletes. Um, he was a bodybuilder when he was, uh, you know, competing. He, he competed as a bodybuilder, won the Mr. Universe, the Mr. World. And he knew that, you know, bodybuilding was, he liked it, but he wished he would have played football. He told me that. He told us that. Um, but, you know, he just loved bodybuilding. That's what he stuck with. But he knew that his kids, you know, he wasn't going to put them into bodybuilding. He was going to make sure that they're going to play sports. It's just, you know, better financially, um, better business. It's going to be, you know, just more fun. Um, as a kid, you can play more sports. So that's what we did. We played a bunch of different sports growing up. But the name St. Brown, he was actually choosing between Sate and Vaughn. So as my first, you know, Equinemius was about to be born, he didn't know if he wanted to be Vaughn Brown or St. Brown. And he stuck with St. Uh, like I said, Brown's a slave name. He didn't want that. He didn't want his kids to have slave names. And then St. Brown, he's like, you know, that just sounds better. It looks better on the back of a jersey. And I can't agree with him more. I think, you know, Amon <laughs> Brown doesn't sound too cool. Uh, I think St. Brown sounds a lot better. So. Um, I love my name. I'm glad he did it. But, yeah, that, that's the story behind it. Amon Ross St. Brown, have a great year. Thank thanks you. a lot for talking to me. Thank you so much. My thanks to Amon Ross St. Brown. Man, that was entertaining. I really enjoyed that. And now, before we get to our final conversation of the pod, let's take this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. 
So in Steelers camp, one of the interesting things, I, I find it very interesting, is that a year ago, there were all kinds of questions. Who's going to replace uh, Ben Roethlisberger? Is it Mitchell Trubisky? Could it be, you know, this rookie Kenny Pickett? What what are we going to do without our franchise quarterback? What are we going to do without the general manager for a generation, Kevin Colbert? And obviously they, they hired from within Omar Khan, a longtime Steeler executive. Well, you look at this year, I get to training camp. There's Omar Khan. He just had a great free agency season, uh, and he's ready for year two, sort of quarterbacking the franchise off the field. And then on the field, there is a no-doubt starting quarterback, and that's Kenny Pickett from the University of Pittsburgh. After playing well down the stretch of last season, Mike Tomlin has said, you're our guy. So he's our guy for the podcast. Let's listen to Kenny Pickett. Back at Steelers camp with starting quarterback Kenny Pickett. Now, Kenny, a year ago when you came into this situation, you were not the starting quarterback. And you had a quote on your first day here at camp where you said you kind of wanted to be seen and not heard last year. But now as the starting quarterback, you got to lead a little bit more. And have you found that you have to change a little bit from Kenny Pickett, the rookie, to Kenny Pickett, the sophomore starter? Yeah, I'd say so. And I think it's a kind of a natural evolution. Like I had to do it in college. Um, I'm comfortable doing it. You know, I kind of have a way about it where, you know, that first couple of weeks you want to be seen, not heard. And as guys start to look, look at you as a leadership role, that's when you kind of start taking, you know, the control. And I feel like I started doing that towards the end of the season, had a great spring, and now we had a great start to camp. So I think it's all, you know, trending in that direction. I want to ask you one question about leadership. Derek Jeter once had a great line because obviously he was a great leader with those great Yankee teams. And he had a great line. Somebody asked him, hey, what's the key to being a leader? And he goes, I don't really even think about it. I just know that when every player gets here in, in spring training, when every player gets here, we got to be here by 8 o'clock. I want to make sure I'm here by 7.15 taking extra ground balls. I want people to see that. Do you think leadership at this level is more of what you do than what you say? I think, I mean, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you have to perform and you have to have guys see you come up in big situations and you have to be consistent out in the field every single day. And then obviously, you know, being able to relate to different kind of people, I think that's also huge. You can't talk to each guy the same. Each guy responds to leadership differently. And I think it's my job to understand and get to know these guys off the field and, and how they are as people. And that's really helped me, you know, connect with these guys on the field and have success. I want to ask you something about how last year ended. I believe you threw one interception in your last eight games of the season last year. And I want to know, what was the key to that? What was the key to your maturation under the gun early in your career? I think just seeing it and being able to play a little bit, um, you know, being on practice or being on like the practice team, the show team. Um, the first couple of weeks, I wasn't able to play in our system. I was just running other people's stuff. So all my all my reps really went in our system were, were really mental reps. So I think after the bye week, and I had a chance to play those like previous three weeks, had a chance to get you know a good practice weekend with the guys, and you know things started to slow down for me, and the system felt more comfortable. I I had a lot of reps. I got to see things, and I felt like the game slowed down for me a little bit. So that, that's something that I want to continue to do, and and take a lot of reps out here and, and see different looks, and it just helps me be able to play fast on Sundays.
in terms of your adjustment to the pro game, is there one thing that stands out versus playing at Pitt and now playing for the Steelers? I'd say volume of defense. You know, in each game plan um, in college, you kind of would see multiple looks throughout a game. And in the NFL, you may see it one time and you may never see it again, you know, in 60-something plays that you have. So I think that's that's the big difference, preparation and seeing all those looks that they've shown previously on tape and try to be ready for as much as you can out there on Sundays and, and just kind of go play fast. I think the volume of plays is a cool thing. Last year, the key play in the Super Bowl was called by Andy Reid late against the Eagles. And when it was put in the game plan that week, Patrick Mahomes basically said to him, Coach, this hasn't been in the game plan since September. And he goes, well, that's why we're going to use it now. It had been over a 1,000 snaps since they used this play. How about that in terms of having to know that much and knowing that something you learn in August may not surface until January? That's what's so special about really spring and, and, and training camp. You know, you may run one thing, and like you said, it may be a thousand plays that you run it again and again, but at least you have something to fall back on and say, okay, we ran this, we had success, or we didn't have success, and this is why. Um, so you know, having those things and being able to you know, understand a, a large volume of offense and guys can comprehend that kind of stuff, it makes our life easier, you know, when the season comes around. I want to ask you a little bit about your team, and especially George Pickens. I wasn't here, but I heard that the first play of your first practice of training camp, you threw for Pickens deep against Patrick Peterson. Was there any symbolism to that, or was it simply the first play on the play sheet? First play on the play sheet, and it was the perfect look to make that throw. You know, they they pressed him. It was one high. George is one-on-one. I'm going to take that matchup, and it kind of played out that way. And I'm always going to give him those opportunities to go make those plays. I mean, we had a, a lot of success down the field last year together. You know, I'm looking forward to building on that success, and, you know, it all starts here and, and the timing and, and, and all that stuff. So if he has those opportunities, you know, I'm going to throw him the football. He seems like he's going to be a great player for a long time. What are his traits that you appreciate? His catch radius, you just have to put it in his zip code, and he, that's all he says. You know, he's like, just put it up for me, and I'll come down with it, which is, you know, it's been the truth. It's every every time, you know, I put the ball up for him, I have no doubts that he's going to make the play. You know, and if he doesn't, he doesn't. We'll go back to him again. So I have a, a ton of confidence in him. Um, you know, he wants to improve his route running and have a, a, a more more route tree, which he's continuing to do, and it's been great to see. Um, so I'm really excited for him. You know, the sky's the limit for George. Sighting I really like for you guys in the off season was Allen Robinson. And obviously he comes in here feeling he has something to prove after some disappointing times with the Rams. But talk to me a little bit about what you found so far in Allen Robinson. Yeah, I don't think Allen has anything to prove. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a veteran guy that's done it year in and year out. Um, you know, I'm really excited to have him here. The knowledge of the game that he has, his understanding of football, of offensive football, defensive football, he really sees the field like a quarterback. So when you have a receiver like that with that kind of IQ that's played a lot of ball, you know, it's really nice to have out there and kind of have a security blanket in terms of a guy that knows where to sit down in zones and, and things like that and how to get open. So I'm really happy to have him on our team. I wonder sometimes, I just asked Patrick Peterson this question, when you come and play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, does the history ever hit you? Bradshaw, Roethlisberger, Pickett. And, and is that cool, or do you not really want to think of that too much because it can't help you? 
Yeah, can't help me right now. You know, I hope I can look, you know, back a couple of years, you know, down the line after I'm done playing and say, you know, it was, you know, it was like you said, it was Terry, Ben, and then myself, and I have a good run. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to happen until then. But that's something I think down the road you can look at. You know, right now I'm just trying to go out there and, and win games. So, you know, one step at a time. But hopefully, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the road I can look back and say that. I'll end with this. When you look at what it's like to be the quarterback of the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and now you've been able to see it. I mean, Pitt fans are excited. It seems like it ratchets up a little bit with the Steelers. What have you learned so far about the fanaticism, the expectations, and what it's like to be the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers? Yeah, I don't. It's something I don't take lightly. You know, I've always you know watched the NFL, and um, you know my best friend growing up was a Steelers fan, so I always watched the Steelers with him whenever they were on. So, you know, I don't take it lightly. I take a lot of pride in being the quarterback of this city and this team. And it, it's, a, it's a franchise that has greatness, you know, going back a long ways. So I want to continue that greatness. And, you know, I feel like I'm the guy to do it. And uh, I got to lead our offense and lead our team. So, you know, I don't take it lightly. I work really hard at it, you know, obsess over trying to be the best player I could be to put us in this situation and win a championship. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, keep going at it every day. Kenny Pickett, good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. My thanks to Kenny Pickett, to Amon Ross St. Brown, and to Jalen Hurts for spending time with us and spending time for you on the Peter King Podcast on Peacock all over the NBC Universal Universe. And I want to end the podcast today with a little bit of a look into the near future. From here, uh, the training camp trip will move down I-95 to Baltimore after that, we're going to take a flight down to South Florida, see the Dolphins, then start to move back up, see the Atlanta Falcons, who were my sneaky pick to win the NFC South this year. Now, listen, you don't have to throw things at the TV or the radio or what, however you're listening to this. You know, I, so I like the Falcons a little bit. You might like the Saints. You might like the Panthers. I, you know, whatever. Uh, you might like the Bucks, but I'm really kind of bullish on the Atlanta Falcons. Then after that, we'll go up to Spartanburg, South Carolina to see the uh, Carolina Panthers. Then after that, we will journey to the Midwest. And next week, I will join you from the Midwest, from the sidelines at Green Bay Packers training camp. That's where you'll hear from me next. And that has been the first edition, the first episode of this year's The Peter King Podcast. Thanks a lot for watching, listening, experiencing, and we'll see you again next week.